0: You're listening to Influx Collective, the podcast, Walking Amongst the Rubble, Undocu Queer
1: Pride. I'm learning to let my sorrow uh, fall apart. I take pride in being a survivor. I hate the American dream.
0: <laughs> my name is Corey Brappy rudd and I'm one of your co-hosts. And I'm your other host, Diana Gutierrez. We started as a queer poetry reading series, uh, but basically our mission is to connect LA-based poets, promote queer events, and provide a space and a platform for queer creators and queer content. And Influx is a place for audience members to hear stories that reflect their own and for performers
1: to find an audience that understands. Support our programming at Patreon. Uh, we are at patreon.com slash Influx Collective without an E. Today, we have the pleasure of introducing Faye Hernandez. They're a trans, inglewood raised immigrant artist, writer, and healer. They've been published in Poetry, Pink Magazine, Oxford Review of Books, Frontier Poetry, The Breakbeat Poets, Volume 4, Latinx, and amongst others. They're also a defined American Fellow for 2021 and author of a full-length poetry collection of Her Criatura, which was one of NPR's best books of 2020. Also, they collect Pokemon plushies. They're going to start off by reading one of their poems.
2: This is part of uh, like a new manuscript that I'm working on. It's titled, I Want to Feed My People. Stuff them while I slow sizzle on the last twig of firewood. You can't tell me this ain't a way to love. Everyone's always like... Make sure you're ten logs full before you can give anyone warmth. But my grandmothers ain't teach me to love like that. They said, you eat first. Stuff your face until you feel you can make it to witness the next generation will hold our hunger till tomorrow, they said. We know you're stealing cornmeal and selling it by the pound at the corner store to buy candy. But we won't say nothing. My great-grandmother cut into a log one day on Jesus' resurrection. She sliced through the heart of the log and blood, so much blood, Jesus' blood, hungry blood. There was no animal inside blood, a sign from above blood, an omen kind of blood. And since then, the mother and the family starve, therefore me, therefore our dreams are about food. Eat, you're not feeling well, Aslum consomme. You're happy, here, try this capirotada. You're in love, comete un chocolatito. And every time you give food, you starve a little. This is why I don't cook. I just buy food all the damn time. Because I can't put more soul into any meal for any others because that's all that's skinny, I mean, left of me. On cold nights, my people pour Only had a fire pit to carry wherever they went, wherever that went home, wherever that went food. So I'm tired of y'all telling me to love myself better, to fill my cup first and then give to others, bitch. I'm but a splinter of wood sucking on the last bit of flame to keep my people fed and alive, and I'm okay with it. You tell me how else to love when you don't have anything. You tell me how to love when you discover that my choice is my full choice all the way. And you ain't telling me to be less sacrificed, less martyr, less fire, less angry. We're running out of wood. We're losing me. And that's okay because at least the fire made it through the winter and the next tree has been born new mothers to sacrifice, and they'll chop them up into firewood too someday, like they did with me. And hopefully it lasts a lifetime, but most importantly, hopefully the younger ones eat real good today and the house stays warm and they can savor their big ass delicious meal of peanuts and oranges that'll get them through the winter.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the City of West Hollywood's One City, One Pride LGBTQ Arts Festival. Each year, the City of West Hollywood celebrates Pride with its One City, One Pride LGBT Arts Festival, which runs from Harvey Milk Day, May 22nd through the end of June Pride Month. One of the things, because I first encountered your work through a live performance, and one of the things I immediately admired, admired, and this is one of the many. I mean, of course, I think your content, the way you write, your repetition, all of... Basically, there's kind of like never-ending things to admire about your work. And one of the things that specifically stood out to me was how you perform your work. And it's always so impressed me because I can just feel the way you slide through all of these different emotions in the pieces themselves and and you just portray the work so well. And so one of the questions that I, I had for you is like how are you able to or, or what kind of preparation do you do uh, when you're working on on trying to practice like performing your work and and how are you able to represent the work so
2: fully? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Writing is a lot like conjuring for me. As someone who does spirit work, it's really interesting to see how I manage to listen intently enough to then give life to the words that are then on the page. Because that's what happens. I hear my poems before they come to life. And sometimes it is backwards where I will write kind of like you know a couple lines but everything is just being streamlined i i feel like i it's really hard to say like oh my god my work is my work i'm just i'm just the vessel i'm just translating yes through my experiences and through my life but it just feels like it's coming from somewhere else so when i'm getting ready to perform or when i'm performing i feel i'm just conjuring the essence of my life for the essence of the content or yeah and I'm just being led from some higher divine force I wish there was more like I could say and obviously this isn't to like dismiss all the hard work that goes into memorizing into like you know creating peaks and valleys in like the performance itself but it's I feel it's just smarter than me I think it's a, a genius that's kind of available to me just because I listen and because I allow myself to surrender to to what it is right like what you know for example let's think about like an amazing poem on like poetry foundation or something and and it's not to compare myself but I feel my work just is it just wants to be it it doesn't really care about a lot of things. It's not trying to do the thing. It just has taken what it's learned over the years and says, Hey, we could do this and this, but it's not trying to fit anything. It just, it just is. And I trust it and I move with it. And then that's where the performances come. And that's where I feel like I can give them more breath maybe than like just a standalone, like on page poem, which I think there's no separation, but I know my voice and my presence also does give something to the work, Um, you know, it kind of sh- showcases the shadow behind the word.
0: Interesting. It's really compelling too because it sounds like I mean what I'm gathering too is like the work is so embodied in your experience and everything. It's almost like when you're performing it you're reliving it in a lot of ways too and so you're really like there and that's probably how the emotion comes across so vividly because we're you're you're like really recounting it for us.
1: Also, if I could add, I think what's really cool as like andoku queer Poets, is that we're all writing like our own experience of being in this position as we're living, like we're all pioneering in this space. What I found really admirable from you, especially, is that you're able to translate so many nuanced feelings into words and into emotions. And even in that workshop that you and I were together where you were teaching, like you were helping me do that. And I know, I know what I feel and I know what I've experienced, but your imagery when you're doing it is just so beautiful. And I really wanna commend you for just creating really beautiful work and embodying this pioneering space It's just really wonderful to look at and observe.
2: Yeah, it's just honestly like it it is that right. We are pioneering. There is no way to do this. There's a million and million and million and one like immigration stories. Right. I am just telling mine and and I feel like what we don't really talk about is the liminality that we experience. I mean, and I'm going to speak for myself as a trans and non-binary person that was once undocumented carrying an undocumented mindset on a day-to-day basis while obviously being mindful of all of my privileges as a naturalized citizen now, but like, how do I articulate something? You know, that's my obsession with imagery. I want to ground myself. (laughs) I I need everyone to be grounded because we already live in a, in a flurry of, of, Lack of gravity, it, like that's what I've always felt like I needed something to, to to just to feel like I existed, like I was a part of something. And so, you know, a lot of the passion and a lot of the imagery and a lot of, you know, putting words to things that we have no idea how to articulate, I feel is my job, right? If I can articulate to some degree or to the best degree that I can my own experience, then that's going to help someone like you know, throw some more cobblestones of light in this like dark river we gotta get across. And maybe they can get a little further, articulate it better. And it's not about better or like you know, it's not about hierarchizing like the worth or the merit in in what you're writing. It's more like, yeah, let's go places, let's build this world together. And and if I can throw some again, some pebbles or cobblestones of light that will illuminate the general area a little bit more Then that's what I'm about. That's why I do what I do. It's hard. It's hard giving words to the liminal. And one thing is to articulate human experiences like love and hurt, grief and pain or whatever. But what about being undocumented? What about being trans and existing in this transness, but having like, you know, conflict between masculine and feminine energies. Who's writing about this? Who can I go to to, like, find the little cobblestones of light, right, that I may need?
1: Mm. Yeah, the way that you trust your own energy and your own experience and try to not, like, follow the scripts of all of the immigration narratives that have come before us, although they've been really great and have added so much of a platform, I think just you know, trusting your own path is something that is, is very, I feel like revolutionary. And it's very like Anzaldua-esque that you are in a sense, just leading your own experience into like, and just manifesting whatever you feel like you have gone through. And yeah, I I, I would like to, I, I remember when you, when I was reading your book, one of the things that, that struck me is that the amount of love that is carried in these poems, like when your mommy just like holds you and just tells you that you're, you know, that you're amazing and that you're, you, I could just like tell that there's like so much love between you and your mother and how much that has shaped a lot of your work and influenced a lot of your work. And yeah, I I would just like to ask you, like, I just see that this love is so potent How do you manage to embrace that and, you know, move away from all of the cruelties that come to undocu-queer folks and previously undocumented queer folks?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, as we know, the news already does a good job of covering the tragedies of our lived experiences, of our resilience or whatever. And I feel like... When writing from a very personal place, we can pigeonhole ourselves into saying like, oh, everything was tragic. Everything was really bad. Like, you know, just getting really wrapped up in like the pain and the hurt and whatever. And those are all really valid things anyways. But I think what I was striving to do in that is also showcase like, yeah, my father abandoned my mom and I in a different country, but like my mom loved me (laughs) and my aunt loved me and my grandparents were there. Like, yeah, we were fucking poor, broke, whatever, but like I still had a Game Boy like they managed to try to create some sort of normalcy for me um, so that I could be a continuation for them and so in my writing I feel I try to convey the nuances of experiences right, even the acknowledgement of like my light skinness like the context of like privilege the context of like Um, All of these other things, you know, that that can go amiss with some folks, um, specifically who are undocumented and queer on that basis, justifying anti-Blackness, anti-indigeneity, being xenophobic, like even, you know, within themselves and other people. Um, And so, you know, I did want to use this love as a channel to also shed light on things because my mom isn't perfect like there's a poem uh in in the manuscript where um i think it's titled when they leave a pantoum and it's about my mom's obsession with my grandparents so even though i'm like yeah my mom loved me and my mom like was there for me she's also super obsessed with their parents like to the point where i'm like am i important Uh, Which I know the answer to, of course, I'm important, but how do I then complexify her character? Because that's what she is. She's, she's a whole human. She can love me, but also her priorities could be somewhere else, could be trying to return to motherland to be connected to that. Um, And, and, you know. How do I, you know, because my mom isn't just a monolith either. She's not just the ball of light. She's a fierce woman. Like, she's not nice sometimes, but I love that because she had to have that backbone to survive. Right. And so, yeah, I love this woman. I love all that she has inculcated in me. And, you know, I, I wanted to sprinkle love, resilience, tenderness, quietness to and moment in the work. To highlight just kind of the the full experience, it was painful, but bitch, I had love. My mom loved me. No one can take that away, and I'm not going to rewrite that so that I can fit a mold or be like an immigrant story that says, "You know, I came here alone, and like even though those are valid, right? but my work is about untangling a monolithic experience on all fronts, not just immigration like queerness, transness, whatever. So that's my long-winded response for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, the complexity in your work is really cool, even in the foreword. I think a friend of yours writes about like how intersectional the work is, and I found that so valid because you are a very intersectional being who doesn't just navigate undocumentedness, but you would navigate transness and queerness and... Being like a spiritual being and so much more, even your relationship with your dog, you know, like that's all like intertwined. And I think just like listening to that and just like putting that out there, it it provides more of a space for other people to do that as well. To so, and to break all of the scripts that have been that have come before us.
0: Yeah, I have another I have a question and it's it's. Mostly I'm I'm curious because as poets, especially poets who are in marginalized communities and who have intersectional identities, the publishing industry is pretty notorious and infamous for for not serving those communities. And because of that, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your journey to publishing your book and how you were able to to navigate that system.
2: I am blessed. Um, I will start there. Sundress Publications has been amazing to work with. They've been super attentive and just, I don't know, just really accountable, I guess, uh, to me as a writer um, and all the intersections I carry um, within the context of my book. They reached out to me. It had been like seven, eight years that I was performing, doing my thing, like, trying to you know like put my work out there not for the sakes of me it's just for the sakes of it being a resource that people could hold and read and study and learn more about themselves and and centers publications was the only publishing firm to reach out and be like we want you to submit a manuscript and we want to consider you for publishing and i was like okay <laughs> cute <laughs> this is like a dream come true and I submitted it, they loved it, and then we just kept moving forward. Currently, uh, we are all as a team working together to figure out how to get my book into Barnes & Noble. Because although like major bookstores are selling my book online, there is a lack of presence of my book in stores. And that's a problem for me. So we're trying to do our best to like get there. Um, you know, I, you... It's really hard. Like I I was struggling. Like I will go back to that. I had been performing and doing my thing seven, eight years. I couldn't, I had submitted to contests that would, you know, that promised you like a book if you won and this and that. I never won those things. Um, and, and I was just hustling, but I never gave up. I was just like, you know what, if I have the work it's going to, it's going to be a book someday. Like, I don't, I don't care when I don't care how, like it's going to be a book. And I just got to keep hustling and pushing because I already knew systematically speaking that it wasn't going to be an easy track. It wasn't going to be like, Oh, someone just kind of like asking me. And then it just happened. Maybe I manifested hard enough. Maybe God was like, bitch, you've worked a lot. You deserve this. So here you go. Um, But yeah, I was really, really blessed with that opportunity I'm still very blessed and I'm very, very grateful for it.
0: I'm so excited about the fact that they reached out to you. So glad that they recognized all of the incredibly hard work that you've been doing and putting into the community, too, because not only do you perform, but you're also teaching, you're also really giving back to your community. And so, I guess a question I have, too, is what do you do for self care? How are you able to really make sure that you're caring for yourself while you're doing all of this for your for your community and and for your writing and and for everyone who who loves and relies on your work
2: things are changing for me very very drastically I don't know if it's sustainable the way I've been living and I don't really believe it's been sustainable and yeah I've done a lot but I'm not trying to kill myself trying to do all that I do. And I've realized that one, I've had to levy kind of how I show up, what I show up to, um, how I show up to it. And, um, I've had to slow down a lot, even like right now, as I'm speaking, I can feel like as I'm processing this question, like my body, my voice is slowing down because yeah, it's, it's just not healthy. Like, what was I trying to prove? Right. Like, what was I, and it's not, and I'm not trying to clock myself. It's more like this is, I think these are genuine, genuine like questions that we all as younger people or this generation have to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing for me? I know there was a pressure. They're killing us. They're killing trans, you know, girls of color, trans Latinx girls are killing, uh, you know, undocumented people are in cages. I have a responsibility. Like I need to do this. And like, Yeah. Yeah, that you do have a responsibility with your skill set, for sure. We do have a responsibility to do the work, but it's not going to be at the cost of your own life. I, too, have to measure my pain daily. Like, I have scoliosis. uh, I have PTSD. I have a lot of things that I don't publicly talk about. Um, So... If I am going to be a grain of salt in the grand scheme of the revolution, then I got to make sure my low grain of salt is healthy and for that to be the case. And I have to slow down. Like I also have to let my work do the work for me now. My book is out and doing its thing. Dope. Now I get to chill and do podcasts and talk. Not that the work isn't done and not that like change is going to come with one book or whatever, but it, it is very exhausting. I am I am very, very exhausted. So to take care of myself, I read. I read a lot. I not poetry like novels and um YA. I read comic books. I I do mindful working out. (laughs) I I've been traveling a, a lot more. I've been allowing myself to just kind of mindfully move in time and space uh because it's necessary. I feel I've been this quarantine was like, bruh, like this reminds me of like me growing up. <laughs> I'm like, this ain't new. But you know, as not to say that I never stepped out, but as undocumented peoples, you're thinking of in like the invisibilization of your existence. And how can you maneuver the world without being seen? And how do you avoid that? And obviously I do have many perks uh, in that degree or like my, my family, I'll speak for myself, but you know, being undocumented and then being light skinned, like you're not always assumed to be this like, uh, you know, illegal immigrant thing, but then sometimes you're, I mean, for me, I'm like sometimes racialized, sometimes I'm not, sometimes this, sometimes that. So it's like a hit or miss Um, depending on whose eyes are viewing me. Um So you know this quarantine was nothing nothing new to that, but I was like, "How are you of the world? like how are you on a spinning rock and all you do is stare at a gray ass Los Angeles that's uninspiring like how how is this your whole ass life and what what more is there to you than like writer, poet, activist, a person who's doing a million and one things, like who are you when you're simple like who are you when you're just chilling I'm like how do you invest into that? And so my self care, quote unquote, looks like just learning more about myself in real time and not being this fabulously curated force to be reckoned with, which I am inherently, so don't get me wrong, but like, how how do I just live? Like, whatever's left of me, especially when mortality is always on my mind, like when death is always on my mind, like, Considering all the, you know, black and brown bodies that are just being murdered. Like, I just, you know, I, I just, I've learned to be more responsible so that I can continue dismantling white supremacy for black and brown folk. Like, I have to take care of myself because there's still so many other things to be done as well as to be lived. And I don't want to, you know, do what the system does to me, which is kind of try to pull me from my living. So Faye is being more tender, more gentle, more, Hey, let's, let's laugh a little.
1: I love
0: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about maybe some of the books or comic books or novels or something that you've read recently that did bring you that joy.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I started watching Invincible on Amazon Prime. I got my friend's account for free. That shit is dumb good. So I was like, I need to read the comics. I got the, um, what is it called? Compendium 1, 2, and 3, which is like a lot of comic books. Um, I'm reading Saga. It's so good. Um, I have the compendium for that one too. Uh, so those are, I, I just finished watching Shadow and Bone And I'm like a huge critic when it comes to TV and watching shit. But like, I am finally learning to just not, you know, intellectualize and not study things. And I enjoyed it a lot. It was fun. So then I bought the books, a lot of book buying. That's like my tourist kind of obsession. Uh, I have some mangas. I'm getting through the whole Naruto series. So I'm on Naruto Shippuden book 53, 54, volume 53, 54. I'm almost done there's 72 volumes, so that's cute. And I know there's one more. I it brings me joy. Oh, I just finished reading Reflection. It's a book that was it's about Mulan, but it's like an adapted like story uh, it's like Mulan Goes to the Underworld. It's like a new part of like a YA series that came out where they're retelling like Cruella de story or Mulan's story or like all of these Disney characters. My friend Chunky Melendez actually gave me that book for my birthday like a year or two ago and I just finished it. It was cute. I wouldn't say it's like, oh my God, I'm gonna read it again. But it was interesting to see Mulan go into the underworld to, to save her man who's, I mean arguably like by, which is cute. So yeah, I, I just finished that. And I finished 11 Minutes by Paolo Coelho, which was a sexy book considering the other work he's done. Um, but I learned a lot. I love Maria. <laughs> but yeah, that those are the things that bring me joy, the books that have brought me joy.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And then I had another follow-up because I, I, I was just really um, intrigued by... The response that you had about self care. And so, one of the things that you said was just really taking time to like learn about yourself in real time. I was wondering, what are some of the things you have learned about yourself in real time lately?
2: That I don't really give a fuck about a lot of things. That If I could separate like my head from my heart, my heart is really chill a lot of the times. My heart's just like, oh, let it go. Like if those people don't want to be part of your life, like it's chill. Like, so I'm really learning kind of to separate or like learning to use my mind more efficiently, uh, realizing my boundaries, realizing that it's okay for me to want certain things to have desires. I don't think I've ever had desires before. Like aside from like, things that could benefit others, like, oh, the book. The book needs to be made because, you know, I have the skill set. The skill set tells stories, creates some sort of representation. This should exist in a form where it's more accessible. Like, my desires have always been for the people, for my family, for my mom. And so right now, I'm just kind of like, well, what do you like? I love comic books. I grew up on them, manga too, so I'm just reading. And it's okay to just read. I've learned it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to, you know, like have people who can listen to you. I think a lot of the times I am so worried about everybody else that I project that people can't hold me or that, uh, my truth can't be held, not because they're incapable of, but because I don't want to burden people with it. But it's like people be coming to you all the time. So, you know, let yourself be carried sometimes. I've learned that there's a lot of mourning, a lot of grieving that I've had to, I've had to do from things along, like things from my past, like a long time ago, which has been, it's been hard, but it's been also like liberating to start doing the the necessary work to like heal the past Um, and not think that I'm so strong and not think that I could handle it all on my own. Like, mm mm-hmm. One last thing I feel is I'm coming in terms with my body. I'm I'm loving my body more and more, even though there's still moments of like obviously gender dysphoria, and there's moments where I'm just like, man, if I w- if I was just as low, like you know, no shade, but like if I was just this like gay twink bottom or top, whatever, like things would just be easier. But I'm just kind of like no. But there's like. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm done compromising myself to fit into those molds or, or to, to be desired in those ways or to be seen. Not that I was being seen in that way because bitch is trans and does what she wants. But I'm just coming in terms more with like life being different, you know, ideas of family that I had projected onto myself because I what, I was trying to close the cycle for my mom and dad are non-existent for me anymore. I'm not like, oh, I need to have a partner and like 10 cats and picture perfect house. You know, like, I don't know what's going to happen anymore. I don't have answers anymore. And I'm not trying to curate them. I'm just trying to live in real time. And if my man does come, you know, if they show up cute. And, if, you know, I do want to bear children. But what if I'm just co-parenting with three other people? Like, what if, you know, my life, I'm really allowing my life to also be deconstructed and not just my story and not just my life um, as it was in the past. I'm deconstructing what the future holds because I want a new world too. I want, I want a new world for all of us. And in order to build that new world, like what parts of myself do I also have to like deconstruct, decolonize and, and see things differently. So what I can say is I'm just, more at peace with myself because I'm moving slower. I'm moving with intention. I'm not jumping at any opportunity just because, oh my God, you should like, no, it's, well, what is your capacity? Like, well, what is your pain level right now? Um, And what do you, Faye, want to do today? You know, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, let's not think about saving the world. Like there's a bunch of us who are saving the world. There's a bunch of us who are part of this revolution. So, What is your, what do you need right now to be more efficient to continue the work?
1: Yes, I resonate so much with what you said. And I think even it's crazy that this world divides undocumented queer folks and people that have been, you know, formerly undocumented from talking to each other. Because one thing that I've learned from uh, these interviews with Jessica, Avila, and yourself is that. We are learning to listen to our bodies and learning to let go of thinking that we need to like solve all the issues that happen to our communities. But at the same time, being mindful that these collective undocuqueer deaths happen, whether figuratively or literally. And what I really like that you mentioned and, you know, something that we have been wondering is... Yeah. What would your like ultimate post-capitalism abolition of police brutality and also detention centers and what would what would it look like? Like what would your future or the future for Undoku gear folks and formerly Undoku folks, what would that look like for you? Because it's always really cool to like reimagine something new. I think often, especially as like artists and activists, like just jumping to that new phase, like, feels scary, but it's also so invigorating to just think of a new, yeah, new future.
2: Yeah. Firstly, I think the work is just never done, and that's where the harmony lies in trying to figure out how to, one, take care of ourselves to continue doing the work, trusting our community to be able to do certain work while you rest so that when you are ready to fight and ready to do the thing, they can rest, right? Um. And I feel that, you know, that's that's just true. We have so much work to do. I do hope that there's this place that we can come to where things are inherently easier for all of us, where, you know, we don't have to, we, the marginalized people, have to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Like, where the system is already, like, non-existent and we can live as humans on this planet i'm really just saying that because i want to manifest that like it i I don't i don't want to be fighting for the rest of my life i don't want us to be fighting for the rest of our life i want us to receive for the rest of our lives i want us to receive what we deserve to to have all the things we need in this imagining of a new world and i've been writing a lot of speculative poetry Uh, the poem that I read at the beginning of the podcast is part of that collection. What I imagine is all of us by the beach, there's food. Something is grilling and there's a lot of smoke um, that's coming from the food and it smells delicious. And there's black, trans, brown, trans youth running around. They're giggling and laughing and everyone is just doing what they need to. It is it is an evening, almost like a bonfire, what I imagine, and there's stars out because pollution doesn't exist anymore. You can see everything. Some people are in the water and some people are sitting. Some people are naked. Some people are clothed in their own fashionable way. But everything's at peace and there's no fear and there is no need uh, for protection because cops don't exist we're not we're not fearing we're not fretting someone taking our joy away there are no cages in this world there's no there's no like violence and hurt and i believe it like i see it i see it as if it's happening so i know that in our lifetime something will shift um I have faith. A lot of people say in your lifetime, things won't change. And I'm like, "Mm, something's shifting already. But yeah, the new world is abundant. Everything, all that we need is there. We have each other. We have found new ways to communicate. And one of my poems, I wrote that there's this like magic pen that writes on the air and it just leaves light and it can translate any like native tongue or like native language to for others to understand. In the poems that I write, our people don't see with our eyes, we see with our third eye, which is like fully manifested on our forehead and it's yellow, everyone's eye is yellow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty magical and I believe it is possible.
0: That was like a poem right there. Um, that was beautiful, thank you. So, Faye, what does walking amongst the
2: rubble mean to you? I feel the Faye that is healing in this moment, that has been adapting, would say just that. You're walking amongst it. You're not carrying it. My palms are open. I don't even have a bag carrying with me, like, all my things. I... I'm just walking amongst all of this I can observe the different pieces of my life the different experiences the all of the systematic things that are constantly like trying to harm me but I'm like y'all on the floor I am walking I am moving through this and I'm unattached like I understand how all of these things like make me who I am and I cannot separate myself from them, but I am not attached to the idea that I am just these things that have been imposed on me or that I am like, I am also like a spiritual entity connected to other worlds and other people's, my ancestors. Like you wouldn't want me to just be pigeonholed into just like, Oh, you're just this thing. Um, you are just all these identities that you've like learned to articulate and you write about. <clears throat> you are also like funny. You're also really dorky, and you also care a lot. This is kind of reminding me of as I'm walking amongst the rubble, I'm thinking about my people. And my people are not just what Mexican, trans, once undocumented or undocumented people. Those are some of my people, but my people. My people are Black. My people are Englewood. My people are immigrants from all types of places. My people are kind. My people are loving. They're down as fuck. My people are accountable. My people are gentle. My people know how to listen. And I feel I bring this into the into this conversation about walking amongst the rubble because you know, I, just like that, like my people are defined by their kind of heart, you know, their spirit. <clears throat> my journey is also defined by my spirit and my journey. Um, and it's all happening in tandem. I'm not separate again from these things or from my people or from the work I have to do as a privileged person. Like, no, it's not, it's not separate. I think I'm just carving space also to, to understand and and to 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 realize I don't have to hold on to it all of it. I can't hold on to it anymore. If I really want to liberate myself and if I want to liberate others, how can we hold two truths? How can we understand that, yes, we carry all of these identities that we are inseparable with, but that we can also liberate ourselves from all of these things and just be kind of a basic bitch who's like waking up and it's like, what do, I, what do I want to eat today, right? And it's really hard. We have never been given this playing field to consider what our lives could be like simply. We just haven't been. And so what I'm doing is, well, no one's going to sit here and give me permission, so let me find out. Let me find out what it looks like to be me. What does it look like for me to wake up and want something? What does it mean to desire things? Because I never, I never had that feeling. Right. And I and I refuse to continue moving like I'm OK with that. I'm, I'm not OK with that. I'm not OK with like constantly dragging my pain and just letting that be how I define my days or how that informs my desires to surrender to my community and be just all of these things for my family and be all of these things for the world. When it's like, where is your volition? God's like, I gave you a body. You're the only one in that body. So how are you taking care of that? How are you living with that? Do you like who you're waking up next to? Because right now I do love who I wake up next to. And that's okay. And I feel really guilty saying it. Like, I think there's a lot of things that happen in my mind where I'm like, oh, if someone's listening to this, they're going to be like, oh, your privileges are what allow you to kind of wake up next to yourself or even have these moments to like ponder the future or new world. But I'm like, okay, (laughs) like, i had to also like get to this point where i could you know be happy be happy and 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 not just and practice joy too like we are a full spectrum of humanity and 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 i don't want to just constantly like be defined by my hurt and pain or represent that as a person and be all that I can bring to the table is some somber shit about being an immigrant or being a trans person or whatever like no like I'm I mean a lot of people don't know me but like I'm pretty funny I'm pretty dorky I'm pretty like chill and I care like that we're just having a good time like can that be what defines me every time I walk into a space right so a lot of questions, a lot of ponderings. There's no right or wrong answer. I think it's just a matter of like how we untangle this and make again more real, more tangible, more visible the liminal space we exist in, which is already like a fray. Yes,
1: the multidimensional dimensionality of just like our lives, like not just being undocu queer, undocu queer, or formerly undocu is like. We're all just growing in so many different ways. And as I'm saying that, it's like, you know, I'm starting to, like, branch out from the poetry world and, like, think about, like, um, stand-up comedy. And it's like, we can do this. Like, we can do this. We don't have to, like, live in, yeah, restating our own, like, traumas or, like, memories where we have been hurt. Yes, that is valid and, like, totally necessary for healing. But also, like, laughter can be so healing, too. I'm wondering, like, since you said that, you do just like embrace your funniness and like like do you have any favorite comedians yourself?
2: (laughs) Uh, My mom (laughs) my grandma (laughs) my family's funny as shit Uh, that's where I get my inspiration from my friends (laughs) like we be sending each other like voice audios all the time like literally stretching out like random scenarios and they bring me so much light and so much joy and yeah, I just want to be a whole person. I want to be a whole person. I am also, like, I haven't publicly said this. I don't, I'm saying it now, but. I want to sing. I want to sing. I want to wear beautiful, like, <laughs> designer clothes to just stand up on a mic and sing and be on the cover of a magazine. Like, that's what my fae desires right now. I don't want to keep writing. I don't want to keep, and my hands don't want to do any more work right now. And there's just something so powerful, and like, I'm airing it, I'm voicing this. This is, I told my mom, I told my friends, and I'm like, I, I, Faye is just Faye. Like, that's all that I've been. I'm not Faye the writer. I'm not Faye the visual artist. I'm not Faye the whatever revolutionary or the, I, am, I just want to be a whole person. And what makes me feel really good is to sing. Um, and it's not that I'm like the best singer, but I'm the singer that I am in whatever context, and that's enough. And that's what I want. I want to make music. And I can change my mind. I can say, hey, I want to heal myself this time by singing. I want to heal other people by singing, by not just relying on the retelling of the traumas and so I think Jue was an end of a cycle for me and it's not to say I'm not a writer and it's not to say I won't write again I already have a second manuscript like I'm like I have a book of essays that I'm also working on like I am still doing it but it's on hiatus for sure like I don't I don't have time for that because I want to live I don't I'm not gonna spend the rest of my days like trying to concretize all that I've experienced or all that I can teach or all that I need to clock in the world and put it into some essays when my life is happening in real time right now and I'm missing it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss me. I don't. And so my days are funny. My days are really like funny. Like they're like telenovelas. There's like drama in the family. There's like drama this drama that sometimes I don't give a fuck sometimes I want to do this sometimes I don't and it's like all of it is just playful now instead of just funny I would say playful I think I'm trying to play more because the fate in me has never played I've been so rigid so like okay shit has to be like boom 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 and like I need to have a man by this by this age. And my mom had me when she was 27. So like, I need to like, I'm 28 now. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, you know, I'm like, instead of being so rigid and intense, like I just want to play and I welcome anyone who wants to play with me. And that's just kind of where I'm at, you know? So favorite comedians, my mom, me, (laughs) my friend Janet, like, you know, the people I love, my sisters, they're funny. They're funny.
1: Um, Is there some, like, poems that you feel like are embodying, like, all that you've talked about?
2: Yeah, Um, this is why I was gearing away from writing, because I realized that no matter what angle I was coming into it through, it was so dense. It was still, like, i I was getting pulled back into, I don't know, habitual energy of, like this is what poems do, or this is what poems are for you. But the writing has shifted. And um, there's this poem that I've never read. I don't think I even edited it, but this is kind of like more along the lines of where I think the poetry is, this is like the process of it liberating itself. But it says, Ooh, I'm afraid to run into my students because I don't want to embarrass them. The other day, I posted my brand new car, which I was kind of nervous about, because, bitch, I don't even know how I pay the house that I do. And drops it low. Yeah, I don't know me. But I saw Anthony Tafoya with his dad at the corner liquor store, pinche cabrón. And I wanted to run over there, but look at me. I've never been able to be close or closer to my students in the class, or outside, because look at me. So I turned to my car, put all my shit in my purse, determined to go anyways, because I miss him. But what would I say? What would I say my purpose is in reaching out to him? What was I? And I ran across the street on 98th and Myrtle, no ambulance this time, but they stopped to check the receipt. The pause wasn't long enough and him and his dad kept walking and I couldn't extend myself into a, wait, hold up, I'm coming. Because I was afraid that I would be too revolutionary, too improper, too much color on one person, too many questions. His dad being like, who the fuck is that? And so I sit on the corner watching them go. It was my birthday Eve and it was growing heavier with clouds, although it was springtime. I wanted wanted to hug the child I did not birth, but that I did arm with life tools for all the years I had him as a student, which I also did with his brother. He wasn't with them that day and wondered how he was doing. I said my name and I wondered how I was doing. How many precursors to being, how many walks between you and me and all that you want to be yourself, around your students, to birth children from your own body, to be loud as fuck, to be a whole woman in the body you in. But be considered brave, just brave for being your inertia, in another life, I yell at Anthony from my car when I first spot him, make him stop, smile bright at his favorite-ass teacher who was like his mother and he'd wait and give me a tight-ass hug like the one he did two months ago when him and the Cuba saw me outside my auntie's house. And in that life, I await 28 without a storm, feeling like a whole mother, a whole uncensored person, an untethered son making life spring everywhere on 98th and Myrtle.
0: That was beautiful, Faye. And it really does talk about a lot of what you've been talking about about wanting to be whole. And I yeah, thank you for sharing that. It actually, I, I had a question about i one of the things i noticed when i was reading your book and then in this poem again is there's it seems like such a sense of attention on place and specifically la and, and inglewood and and i want i wanted to know if you could talk about how how those places influence your work
2: mm-hmm. um well yeah i feel i can't get away from it like the dilemma recently is I don't want to live here anymore. I don't like LA. It's just so uninspiring. I've been here because I love Englewood and I love my people. But like really, really pushing on this idea of like, what does it mean for me to exist on this world? Especially as a once undocumented person who had limitations. You know, this place is somewhere I'm always going to come back to. It's it's the place that made me. But yeah, place is just so important. Like I, I think as a once undocumented person, I'm like always looking for place, looking to belong somewhere, looking to have something that I can come back to. And that's what Inglewood is. But something I've realized over the years is that, yeah, like I love Inglewood. I rep Inglewood, my heart, but Inglewood don't give a fuck about me. It doesn't. Like, and I say that as, you know, just as calmly as possible, but they don't. Like it really don't. Um, My mother and I were in one degree or another evicted, kind of pushed out with all the gentrification. I also like I can't go into too much detail because it's the T, But like I was asked to do this like giant city project and uh, it was not cute. I had to terminate my contract because, um, you know, I come first to say the least, and yeah, can fill in the gaps, the many gaps that could have gone awry or astray, they probably all pretty much happened. Um, And, you know, I think that moment was really crucial for me because one, it just highlights the complexity of love. I love my city. I love the place that I was born, uh, I was raised in, but like, I also have to like, let it go. I have to let it go because it just, it's not holding me the same way I hold it. It's like a fuck boy. Like, I love it. I'm there for it. I show up on the weekends and it's just kind of like, well, I got a main bitch the rest of the week and that's not you, you know? So I had to kind of just step back and let's go back to this idea of unattachment, like, or disattachment or detachment. Like I, I've had to do that with everything with everything in my life, I've had to learn to like beat it and then let it go. And now I feel like the reason all of this healing is happening where I'm finding my inertia is because all of these things that for so long defined me outwardly are no longer in my attainments. For example, I was born in Mexico and then I was brought here. So I had a Mexican passport and now I have a you know, a, a passport from the USA. Um, oh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, from America. Um, and so I'm I'm just like, it's, everything's always like, oh, you know, you fuck with Inglewood. If Inglewood made you, you make a collection around the city that you were born in. And then like, you realize the city don't really give a fuck about you. And you're just kind of like, word. So then you, dis- you know, you detach a little bit or you realize you're trans, but then you're also not being received in the same way by the community. And so, you know, I, You're there, but then you're not there. So you have to detach and be like, I am okay with me and my nuances and the intersections, but who am I without all of these things? Like, how do I exist just as I, as I am? So yeah, place is interesting. Um, This more speculative work is interesting because place is... Kind of in space, like there's poems of like the main character floating in space, like there is no place, but a whole lot of space. Or it's when tethered in the speculativeness. When tethered in the in, on Earth, it's it feels very like it's still Inglewood, like it's still it's still 98th and Myrtle, it's still Inglewood and Kelso, like just not the way we know it which is still interesting like i'm tethered to that place like i'm tethered to the desert because that's where i was that's my birthplace and i'm tethered to inglewood so it just comes up no matter what because it made me
0: this episode is brought to you by the california institute of the arts alumni council CalArts has set the pace for educating professional artists since 1970. It offers rigorous undergraduate and graduate degree programs. CalArts has championed creative excellence, critical reflection, and the development of new forms of expression.
2: I'm going to read another new poem, um, if that's okay, and we can just close it off with this. I also don't know, again, I've been writing and not stressing about You know, perfecting things. This is just it. It's titled The Science of Being Undocumented. Do not write about the past. Focus on math problems. They still want your blood, the crows, the invisible immigration cop, vaccination sites, the government. Just keep doing your timetables, though. We hid well. Learn to make a whole life of a million unseen. Talk about division. We are a mirror house full of reflections, a slash of rainbow from a prism or fractions of ourselves, decimals, like the 0.5 generation or childhood arrivals, except we're not just reflections, we're wolves jumping in for the intestines of an open pinata we're hungry. How many days can wolves go without eating? But according to today's weathercast, we never happened, and we're supposed to go along and not remember the scent of blood everywhere, but we can't eat. If the wolf is you, and the villain is the wolf too, and you're both hungry, who wins if you're the last two standing? The party was lit, but the speakers weren't loud enough to be tracked, have us all be taken by ice, but again, we don't remember. Remember? Still, I wonder how we drove on busy streets during emergencias, where our medicine came from, how we're still alive without health insurance and stuff, but we already know the answer. It's in the multiplication of our experience, times, generations, and generations ago. How we made it to Redondo Beach during restless nights of our life of quarantine, we're not supposed to remember, right, Ma? All I'm here to tell you is, we're good at math mastered the science of shrinking smaller than atoms while we walked on the pier holding a pretzel, where chemists turned ourselves smoke chambers or unbreakable diamonds. Did we always know we would never cease to exist no matter how small our matter was? Because we went out, remember? We had to work, we had to go to school, we had to learn the language or not, remember? Actually, we were horrible at English. We were good at numbers, the stars, All the observable subjects, we are cuckoo scientists. We have to be, or else, how else did we learn the science of being and not of being alive and dead at once? The art of not makes sense, and the most sense is only felt by feeling it all.
0: What an honor to get to hear new poems, too. That's really exciting that you were able to and willing to share those with us. Thank you. I do want to ask, just as like a little bit of a promo for your work, if you could tell us where listeners can find you and how they can purchase
2: your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If y'all want to follow me on Instagram at fay F-E-I, period, Hernandez, H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z, or... Follow me or go to my website to buy merchandise and my book at feyhernandez.com. I have a Twitter too, but I don't really use that. Um, Not like that. But yeah, find me there, purchase my Venmo. Let me give y'all my Venmo real quick because if you learn something, like send me some cash money because this girl is self-employed and doing the damn thing. My Venmo is at Hernandez h e r n a n d e z
0: was there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up
2: Mm, I would say one last thing hold your joy as much as you do your grief or vice versa hold your grief as much as you do your joy
0: thank you for listening to Influx Collective the podcast walking amongst the rubble undocuqueer pride To get updates on our upcoming episodes, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or join our email list at influxcollective.org.